Welcome to the Down the Pub podcast. On this episode, I'm joined with the lads from the Liverpool Supporters Club here in Halifax. Jamie Granger, Chris Perkins and Steve Kempton came to hang out. We also were joined by non-members, um, Everton fan Dave Robinson and Liverpool fan uh, Andy Watson. We just talked a little bit about Liverpool in general. Um, Steve and Chris told us about their trip to Liverpool and their visit to the Cup. And we also just talked a little bit about the club itself in terms of memberships and what people can expect from them. In the second part of the show, I'm joined by Kenneth Flood and Jimmy Lee Best. We're just chatting about the aftermath of the Conor McGregor fight last weekend in Las Vegas. Just trying to path out where McGregor goes from here and how he actually did in the fight. As always, you can join the conversation on Facebook and on Instagram. If you want to make sure you never miss a show, head to downthepub.ca and subscribe. Now on with the show. Welcome to the Liverpool special of the Down the Pub podcast. I'm joined by uh, Jamie, Steve and Chris from the Liverpool Supporters Club in Halifax. I'm also joined by Andy Watson, who's yet to become a member of the Liverpool Supporters <laughs> Club in Halifax. Uh, we're recording at the Economy Shoe Shop this week. Uh, it's the best happy hour in the city, $4 points every day between 4 and 7. Welcome back to the show, lads, and welcome to the show. Um, so starting with tr- tradition, Jamie, I'm going to start with you. Um, we always kind of ask people how their love affair with their team starts. So why Liverpool? Um, so I'm one of those that were born into it. Um, my dad's from Liverpool. His whole, my whole family on that side is still there. Um, just me and my brother and my dad are over here. So like I said, born into a bib. Yeah, better dribbler than Fowler. You know, yeah. I just found out the other day going through some stuff. So, like I said, it's a, it's been a lifetime thing. It's never going to stop. To be honest. That's great. It's, it's it's kind of nice when you have that kind of connection to yeah. back home too. So so do you get to go back yourself? And like obviously uh, you've got a place to stay, which is always nice, right? Yeah, um, I've been back since I was nineteen, so it's been like eleven years or something like that. So, but yeah, I used to go quite a bit. I've been to Anfield times something like that so, oh wow oh yeah I've been lucky okay. my uncles have season tickets so when I go like, it's easy to get is there any way the supporters club could kind of do like a uh, a trick for you just as a kind of research, re- research project or something <laughs> that'd be nice yeah, yeah no, it's been a while since I've been back but I'd like to go soon yeah winning's good <laughs> I'm sure it is. Hopefully someday I'll find out that it is being a Tottenham supporter. So, um, but I can just get your immediate reaction to the Man City result today. Is two-two uh, at home, Crystal pa- against Crystal Palace. It's all over now, surely. I'm never going to say it's all over. I, I think that that's just uh, most fans. You know, you still don't want to jinx yourself, uh, and it's it's such an awesome feeling right now. Uh, the confidence is is sky high but I don't think anybody wants to jinx themselves uh, coming 
the, you know, into the home stretch of the, of the season, uh, it would take a collapse of monumental proportions uh, to blow it at this stage. But I think that it's just, again, nobody wants to, to jinx it and just keep the good feeling going and you know, we'll take nothing for granted. I read a stat the other day. I didn't fact check this, but um, it said that if Man City had a perfect record for the rest of the year, Liverpool could afford to draw five times and lose twice and still win. So if we do do that, we don't deserve the title. <laughs> we could lose three and have a draw and still win at this point. Yeah, I haven't actually done, gone back and done the math, especially with the draw today, because uh, I think it was last week, uh, it was number crunching, and the earliest that we could win was April 4th, which is the City match, which would yeah, be delicious. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> assuming that Liverpool you know, wins every game uh, continues on, and everybody else wins as well. Uh, but if the other teams are dropping points, then I think that might even potentially shift a little bit. So, yeah, I'll have to go back and look at that. And I think the City game is, um, if we keep our run beat and run going, that would equal Arsenal's record against... Mm-hmm. So that so they have potential to to upset us there. So just so many like it's just such a season of um, records, records for you yeah. guys. Like well, how many records have we got at this stage? Oh, no three, a three a week. It's hard to keep track at this point. I feel like when you're watching Liverpool, that there's always a gear they can click into if they need to, and that's a sign of an amazing team. And like. It hurts me to say this, these kind of things about other teams, but like it, it, this is a phenomenal team, and it's like it's just—I don't even think you guys are hit by them within themselves. Like, and that's what the big difference is over the last couple of years is they just have found to be able to play within themselves, and if they have to go, then they just pick it up. And yeah, I, I, I mean, like, and it's like the bench is the same. Like, I mean, like, like you can bring other people off, uh, off and just bring other people on, and they just slot into the team. So, so it's just like Klopp. Just, it's just a well-oiled machine. Um, it really does remind me of the the Ferguson teams, like that. I mean, like the the, the one in the nineties and the two thousands when you know he had players like Clinton Fortune who weren't like the world beaters, but they had a job. They knew what they had to do, and they just. Would come into this into the side and just Quinton Fortune, jeez. I know what a weird what a, what a weird reference, but like yeah, to me, like yeah. that's like you know like 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 James yeah. Milner coming in. Yeah. I mean, he's 33, 34. Yeah. You wouldn't expect him to do a job for the the league leaders, and he just does the job perfectly that he's asked. You know, it's it's um it's it's an incredible squad. He's an incredible manager, and uh, fuck, I'm sold. I'm, I'll give me a membership. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think, though, that we talk about the mentality of the team, and it, it's clear, though, that this is something that is trickling all the way down through the organization. Uh, it was I was still in the UK after the watching uh, with Chris the, the match against Sheffield United uh, at Liverpool, and a few days later it was the FA Cup uh, against Everton. And I mean, there were a few senior members sprinkled uh, in the squad. Uh, and but what is clear is that those kids are playing the Liverpool way as well, and they've got that same mentality, that same approach. And what really intrigued me was the academy coaches saying, "If you think that these kids are good, you should see what we've got coming up behind, uh, help behind us all. them." And uh, and but this is this is actually why they hired Klopp uh, because it was not just that sort of, uh, sorry, no slight against Mourinho and Tottenham, but uh, a three-year fix, right, where you bring somebody in and he's used to ha- hiring the top talent. Uh, Klopp is known for building that uh, successive uh, you know, team 
uh, coming up the ranks behind and then sprinkling that with, I think, uh, splashing the cash when you need to, uh, looking for those smart buys. Uh, Robertson is a perfect case in point. I think Minamino has the potential to be the same way, uh, but then also looking at the youth coming up uh, as well. And I think that that's what also makes this exciting as well, that hopefully this is not just a flash in the pan. So how... Um how demoralising was that win for uh, that loss for Everton? It must have made us all feel amazing. I listened to some of the radio talk shows. I was in Bentham uh, up in New Yorkshire afterwards, and I was listening to the radio talk shows, and it wasn't pretty on the Everton <laughs> side. Uh, I've just uh, wow, uh, the the air was 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 blue <laughs> more than just Everton blue. It was a deeper shade of Everton blue uh, right now. Uh, it was yeah. Uh, Bill Shankly said there are two teams in Liverpool. Liverpool and the Liverpool Reserves. Yeah. And Tramie Rovers. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, But but uh, like like watching that game, like it, it's it, you're right. It's there's such a like the, the mentality is built into everybody. Uh, I the, the game against Villa when they lost in the Carabao Cup, I, I thought it was very unfair to, to Liverpool, um, and it was it wasn't a very good indicator of this the talent they have coming through. No, that that game was interesting because. Like they actually played re- like really well. Like it just Villa was so clinical, and I think I was worried that the Everton game might have gone the same way if they could actually fit. Like if they were a little bit more clinical, but um, yeah, I, I, like I, I don't think the the scoreline was definitely not a reflection on how how they played that night. Our back line was all mixed up that game too. Yeah. I think Gomez had just come back in, and then he had to go and play yeah. the centre back by himself, marshalling it. So that was a little sketchier. But yeah, like the Everton game was a good example that the youth are playing, like all the way under to the under 18s, the youth are playing the same philosophy. Sometimes during that game, you close your eyes, you didn't, couldn't tell it wasn't the first team. The way they moved the ball around and then playing out from the back, everything. So there's an identity, he's definitely building something for the future, which excites me even more than anything. Well, maybe winning the Premier League this year. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm hating every minute of this. <laughs> we're loving it. Um, so. Um, do you honestly think like this is the best? Because this this has been floating around the last couple of weeks. Do you honestly think this is the uh, the best team the Premier League has seen? I thought you were going to say the Liverpool team we've ever yeah. seen. I, I, I like Premier League's ever seen. A lot, a lot of people are saying it just because of like like how set it is. You know, like it's. Um, I, I think if they went on to the end of the season and beat them, then I would say they're definitely up there. Like the yeah, but um, right now it's it's hard to. Yeah, I, I would say not not quite, but it, they're close to being the, the best team. I'll so give a show that they're they're up there because we've gone through half the season now. We've played everyone once, and most of the time we haven't got out of second gear. So we could, we're playing sixes across the board, and two of our players have a nine or a ten out of ten that game. We're winning matches easily. I'm kind of looking forward to a little bit of Champions League and seeing what Europe has to offer at this point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, a shout, show, but I'm just not getting bored, right, Jamie? No, I'm not getting bored. I love it. Yeah, but, holy holy uh, shit! It just shows crazy. that like we're that far ahead of everyone in the Premier League right now. You know what I mean? So. That's true, and like I mean that that's the thing where like I I Roy Keane famously was saying that it was um, during their great uh, their great time when he was their captain and stuff how um, like complacency can set in like you know like it's all we're, we're just playing Southampton this week when you know like it, the games against Real Madrid are the ones that we care about kind of thing so yeah it's um, it's definitely a kind of a dangerous thing you need to kind of get your heads out of 
Is it? I, I don't think that this is a there. There is zero complacency. Clock uh, won't allow it. In the, yeah, it's absolutely. Clock won't allow it. Henderson wouldn't allow it. I think every Liverpool player, right down to the under nines, wouldn't yeah. allow it uh, at this point right now. Zero complacency because it's just they they are literally taking it one game at a time, and you want to win every game and go out there and, and, and compete. Yeah, and I believe that if they said they wrap up the the Premier League early this year, like the earliest that's ever been done, that they'll they will continue to play each game and that that record's there and they'll they'll just approach each game exactly the same. Yeah. This is a very, very hungry team. Yeah. Yeah, I mean like that's a that's a huge record to, to go for. So so do you think that they they can go the whole season, Chris, uh, undefeated? Why not? That's all I'll say about that. Yeah, it's like it's definitely like I, I mean they can do it. They've already won thirty eight games on beating right now. So and how many in the last year too? Yeah, I, exactly. well that's it. It's only, I, I, it's only I, I the one defeat. I honestly feel like it's going to be like a Crystal Palace or like something like that. He was going to don't say that because I don't. Yeah. Crystal Palace. I know. It's like right. Just to see the, the face of Roy Hodgson when he like <laughs> <laughs> the greatest manager in Liverpool's history. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> ru- ruining your uh, your your, uh, your unbeaten season. Yeah. <laughs> Do it, Roy. Do it. Um, so, um, just, just just a little bit off off uh, topic a little bit. So, Jurgen Klopp has talked today about them moving. Uh, they're actually thinking about moving the African Cup of Nations back to January. Yeah. Um, how much would this move hurt Liverpool? I don't think it'll just hurt Liverpool. Though. There's lots of other teams who have African players that would represent the country. So it's it's obviously it's going to have an impact on Liverpool but it's going to have just the same impact on other teams too like uh, Champions League semi-final they were out without um, Salah and a few other players and they seem to manage okay with the 4-0 so over a few weeks I'm sure they can build towards filling like that, that I, don't, I can't see it being a, a big I, th- I, think, I think that why people were Talking about it is because, um, like, obviously Salah and Mane, like, yeah. um, obviously Naby Keita starting to come into the team a little yeah. bit more. Like, how, like, how much of a loss would like Mane be to you guys? In current form, he's, of course, he's going to be a loss. But uh, I think that we do have enough players at the moment that will step up. Like, and I think that'll carry us through. I mean, it's not ideal, but I think that we've been without players this year. We've been without Matip. We've been without. We've lost Milner recently. We've Fabinho, yeah. Fabinho, yeah, and we've and everyone has just stepped yeah. up. So I, I think that the same thing will have to happen with with the forward line. Maybe it's a chance for somebody else to shine because if it wasn't for the injuries for or to um, Matip and Lovren, Gomez wouldn't have been able to hit form again. And now we've had six clean sheets in the last I don't know how many games, but it's you never know. It's an opportunity as well for other players, and I think that's that's important. It's just um, with all, with all the tournaments adding on, it just goes to show how important squads are becoming, right? They, they're talking about even making bigger squads because look, look what happened. We had to play Villa. We had to play a full well, changes, eleven changes, yeah. whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's becoming important, and I think we have a good squad, and we're building a good core coming up. You know what I mean? So yeah, good time. I, I think the, the the team that ignores squad depth and even down to the academy will does so at its peril. 
uh, if they aspire to you know top four uh, and so on given that uh, you know their top players will be pulled out uh, into other tournaments uh, and playing for their national squads uh, because I mean you know, every time the friendlies come up and so on I mean I know that there, there was a time where everybody in Liverpool would kind of you know hold their eyes and say oh please let all our players come back and enter <laughs> uh, because you know you felt that you know one uh, one bad turn uh, you know the Dutch team uh, you took out Wijnaldum and Van Dijk uh, so then you know oh my heavens uh, but uh, uh but uh, but I do think though that Klopp has a, a legitimate beef uh, with the way that they are structuring these tournaments and the demands on the players because it is turning almost into twelve months a year of football uh, and uh, and and then you have to factor in the pre seasons as well uh, and so on and it's yeah it's uh, definitely uh, I think a challenge uh, and, and as Jamie said uh, squad depth is going to become absolutely uh, critical. Uh, if if this trend continues, I, I also think that um, that they they're almost punishing success because apparently like next year they're talking about expanding the world club championship thing again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so I mean like you're right. Like I mean like what what the fact that players are expected to keep on going and going and going. Like, do you, do you think that like. Where can the clubs themselves come in and like say enough is enough? Well, I think uh, I mean they're starting to make those noises now. Uh, we've already had the example, of course, where we had uh, you know the ludicrous situation of playing two matches three thousand miles apart within twenty four hours uh, of, of each other, uh, and so um, the discussion will definitely not stop here. I think it's only just starting. Uh, with respect to that, um, I expect lots of noises to be made during the off season. Uh, there's probably a lot going on behind closed doors that uh, you know we'll only read about in the rumor mills and the in the papers and so on. Apart from you know what some of the public declarations that uh, the coaches are making, uh, and uh, it's uh, yeah, I, I think too. Thing to be leery of is that the only teams that are going to be able to cope with that kind of demand are the ones that can splash out the money for it. Uh, and so I think you have to worry about that stratification, uh, you know, within leagues and you know informal super leagues uh, as well. So how much do you think that's going to affect uh, clubs buying African players? I don't know. I, I, it's these tournaments have always gone on and like. Like it's not obviously affected it in the past, but it's just it's it's just the last I guess the last couple where they've been in the summer. Like it's it's kind of affected like the like the thinking that they were every every winter. That's so like, I don't know. I remember Portsmouth when they had Canu and he would go off and like obviously it had a bigger impact on said Portsmouth because that was. Like the leading goal scorer or what, what, what have you. So I, I, I can't see it impacting because you, if they're a great player, you're gonna, there's gonna be, they're gonna sign for somebody. But I, I just, yeah, I don't think it would have a, have a big impact. I still think the next couple of years are going to be interesting though, because you know, now we've got this you know, shift in the timing of the uh, Africa uh, Cup. Yeah, and then, and then there's a Winter World Cup. Yes, that's uh, going to, to throw into the mix yeah. as well. Yeah, and, and, uh, and, and, and I think that that is uh, you know a bit of a spanner in the works. Uh, but uh, and 
I don't know. You, we've just got to go back to FIFA and hope that they get their act together. And I think that's 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 part of the problem too. Is that yeah, like FIFA are such a money grabbing organization that they're getting why are they involved in club football whatsoever? Like I mean, like you know, like I understand that there's like a, a, a need somewhat of having a world club championship with yeah. each continent. But this, this new expanded version, because I, I think Liverpool are going to be in. This expanded like it, uh, like so next season, I think Liverpool are going to be in there as the holders. So, like that's another thing that we've got to. So, like, I mean, do you know what the details are of it? I think it's pretty. I don't think there's huge, huge information right now. Because I honestly there's there's no demand for it. Like, I mean, like like being honest, like the only game you guys probably would have watched would have been um, like the final. Like, I mean, like I'm not, I'm not too sure there's too many people sitting up waiting for Liverpool against Guadalajara or whatever the hell it was that they were playing it's just kind of uh, it's kind of funny like that they um, FIFA just stuck their nose into something and made something uh, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it, they just go out of the way just to piss everybody off um, so uh, over the holidays uh, Steve and Chris were lucky enough to get to go to Liverpool um, so the first person I want to ask you is like how the hell did you get tickets ah well Luckily, we have an official LFC supporters club in Halifax now. So this was the first opportunity that uh, Steve and I have had to use tickets which we've acquired through the club. And previous to this, for me to get a ticket to Anfield, you'd have to do it third party and it would cost a minimum of, I'd say, what, $500 per ticket? And they weren't good seats either, to be honest. And this time it was $120 for two tickets, which is much more reasonable. And you can almost fly over to England and cover the costs for the, for the same money. So that's crazy. Yeah, that's that crazy. is insane. So where where exactly were your seats? In the we, car. We were in the car. Oh my god! Yes. In the car. Yeah. Right in the deep end. Huh? Yeah. It's my my third time to Liverpool for a match, but first time in the car, and you can't compare the the experience. And it's the only place in Anfield where you're allowed to stand. So that's mm-hmm. uh, that that in itself is a huge. Is that technical though? Like, are you actually technically allowed to stand? Well, they, so they, didn't, they didn't tell us to sit down. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They, they did put an announcement out over the PA, you know, please please sit down, uh, George Sefton, in that uh, imperious <laughs> voice that he had, asking everybody, please take your seats. Uh, but everybody in the cop was on their feet the entire 90 minutes of the match. Uh, I kind of miss that. Like, I know Celtic have brought in their uh, standing. Safe standing. Safe standing. Do you think that's something that Premier League teams? Look at? I, th- well, I, I it's, think the time has come. It, yeah, so it's been talked about, hasn't it? So, mm-hmm. like, it's like bringing it back. Because like, I, th- I think it's worked well, uh, like at Celtic. Like, Celtic yeah. were kind of like a like a uh, pioneer thing. Like, I don't see what it's like. Um, I think I honestly would think it would be a great thing to have that option. You know, mm-hmm. if you don't want to stand, you can always go to it. They've learned from the past now at this point, right? So you got to just assume they're not going to repeat the same mistakes. Yeah, that's, that's also happen, right. right? So. So, so I guess like um, when you when you when you get into to Liverpool itself, just for people who have never been to Anfield, uh, is it an awkward stadium to get to? Is it easy to get there? No, it's fine getting there, but be prepared to walk forty-five minutes downtown afterwards because <laughs> you will not get a taxi. There's no, you don't bother waiting for a bus. You just you need to prepare yourself to walk forty-five minutes downtown, or you can try and get into one of the local pubs, but you're a sardine so and that's fine too like go go for it but you're never going to get a taxi an hour off until about an hour after the game so take your walking shoes 
Did you, did you just have like a uh, favourite Wharton Hall before the game? We went to um, the Sandin, which was good, and then we went to the Arkells. And then we actually, uh, I was, I had several beers at this point. So, <laughs> so, so naturally, when I saw the bar manager and the scarves over the bar, I said, "Well, here's an LFC Halifax scarf." And so, so I donated my wife's. Wouldn't give mine away. Right? <laughs> <laughs> what an amazing man you are! I know, right? She's so lucky. Yeah. So, so hopefully, if anybody goes to Liverpool in the next year, you'll look for our LFC Halifax scarf in the Arkells Wait. pub. Well, like, you know, take a picture and uh, hashtag LFC Halifax. Yeah. Yeah. And cool. if it's not there, I want you to complain to the manager. <laughs> yeah, it would, you see him wearing the fucking thing behind the bar. <laughs> <and> complain. <laughs> yeah, the nice thing about an evening match, though, because it was an 8 p.m. kickoff on a, on a Thursday night, was that you could actually go up, you know, quite a few hours before the match and soak up the atmosphere as well as a few pints. Get a pie. And uh, absolutely. So we went into Home Baked, uh, which is renowned for their Shankly Pies. And, uh, Shankly Pies? Uh, yeah. Shankly pies. Yeah, and it was just amazing. Have one, stand outside, misty night, chatting with uh, the locals, digging into your pie, uh, and then uh, just walking around the grounds. Uh, we were cutting through the, the parking lot uh, from the Anfield Road end towards the cop, and this grey Audi's wagon pulled in, surrounded by some stewards, and, and it was Fabinho who got out and was instantly mobbed by kids, <laughs> so oh, looking wow. for selfies and autographs. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he literally passed me. You know, the different distance from you to me away. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, and uh, but the atmosphere is just fantastic, and the whole buzz in the city as well. And and, and I do like Liverpool as a as a city as well. There are a lot of really interesting places to go and things to see there, and unique features that you know you would catch you by surprise. I think. I've got I've got to ask. Uh, what's what's in the Shanky Pie? Ah, there's mushroom and potato and beef and it's all good. It's all yeah, oh, exactly. It's a, it's a top tier. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah Because I feel like an Everton fight would be very mediocre. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, Hi, uh. yeah. No, it's it, it, it's hot and it's fresh, and you just stand outside and you go, oh, this is this is heaven. Amazing. So um, a table pie kind of thing. So you start a little bit about the atmosphere, like leading up to the game. Uh, so once you get inside the stadium. And the uh, the wall of noise hits you. What's it like? Can I just say, the, I'm a nerd. So before, the most exciting thing for me going into the stadium was I actually got to use my own membership card for the first time ever. Nice, right? Got in there, and yeah. So we're you can you watch the players warming up. The cop is obviously loud, and the music's going, and it's the lights are on you. It was one of my first night games, so it's just it's you just. This is my seventh game. I remember the first one I went to, and you just you're in awe. And then when you never walk along, it's going. It's just, it's just spine tingling. Did you cry? Not this time. Did you? No, no, no don't cry. But you, no, but 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 an emotional last. Oh, ah, no, but you do. I, but no, but when the first notes Every come on, here next door, I cry. I, I had no, no, no. I, but I have to admit though that you know the, the the hairs on the back of your neck do stand up when you hear those first notes, and then you're into it. And and I think you know the people who were around us uh, in the cop as well were fantastic because there were some locals that we were chatting with, and and when we scored the first goal, next thing I know, I was just totally enveloped by Joe <laughs> from Liverpool, and I just met you. Know, 15 
minutes beforehand, uh, there were some folks from the uh, official Liverpool supporters club in Boston uh, who had come over who were next to us. So there was cool. a couple from Windsor, Ontario in the row below us. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, it was just it was just fun to meet and chat. And so when Joe from Liverpool gave you a big hug, was all your stuff still there afterwards? So you obviously got to talk about the game itself. How did it go? Like, what was the the was Liverpool obviously won? But how did they play? And what was the the atmosphere like during during the game itself? Well, the atmosphere is fantastic. I, I thought they played very well. I mean, Sheffield United uh, was, I think, in fifth uh, at the time, uh, and there was—I mean, Chris Waller has got a solid team, uh, you know, going for them right now and uh, on their day. And I think anybody on their day in the Premier League can poke anybody in the eye, right? Uh, and so it was a—it was a great performance. We had goals from Salah and Mane. That's yeah. uh, the game we had like over a thousand, like nearly a thousand passes. Like yeah, probably nine sixty-nine. Yeah, that was crazy. Ah, that's insane. Yeah. That's like a Premier League record, wasn't it? Because didn't he come out afterwards and like oh, people he just, were applauding Chris yeah. Wilder for saying how shit his team was or something like that? It was kind of, yeah. it was kind of like I'm I mean, not how great Liverpool. Well, I think one of my favorite points during the match was actually because uh, the cop was cha- you know, singing out, you know, we are the champions, champions of Europe, and then the Sheffield United fan retorted with champions of League One. You'll never say that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> I love that. That is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when the game finishes, is it one two nil? What happens next? Is it like just a, everybody just a mass exodus, or do people hang around? And uh, what's what's the atmosphere like in the stadium once the, the game's over? To be honest, you don't get a lot of time to linger afterwards because you're ushered out of the stadium, and oh, then okay. it's a matter of. It's a little cold. It's a 45-minute walk. Do we try and get on public transport? And we were warned, don't get on public transport. So we essentially wasted 20 minutes trying to get on public transport. <laughs> and then we walked. So just, like I said, take your walk and choose. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was worth the walk, though, because, yeah, it was 45 minutes back in the town, but we had tickets to the Cavern Club, and there was a Beatles tribute band playing that night. Perfect. So yeah, it was uh, from one solid Liverpool cultural experience into another. Yeah. That is insane. That's awesome. Good bookends on that trip, huh? Yeah. <laughs> did you um, did, did you make them sing You'll Never Walk Alone? <laughs> no, they don't do that. Do it John's voice. <laughs> <laughs> so I know you kind of alluded a little bit to it, but like, what's the... Um, what, what's the buzz around the city about this team? I think uh, I think there's a great buzz uh, about it. Uh, you know, even uh, you know before the match, uh, it, you're meeting fans, locals. Uh, we were chatting with you know Germans and Swedes and Americans and Canadians uh, that are coming into the city because I think that they they see this as potentially an historic season uh, and they want to be a part of it and I think uh, when we were walking around uh, downtown Liverpool uh, looking for the retail shops and so on there are musicians that are out in the streets and, and they're singing the the songs as well and there are murals in town of uh, Mo Salah and Klopp and people are posing in front of it uh, it's it's kind of crazy uh, but you, you, you feel the buzz and I don't think that it's I don't think that's isolated this season though like there's always mm-hmm. that buzz mm-hmm. because that's what 
I don't know, maybe I'm biased, but that's what makes Liverpool special is because we're through the we're with the team through thick and thin. And sure, we may have more fans now because people jump on a bandwagon, but we've supported them through many losses, and that City has as well. Yeah, it's 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 an it's an amazing. I've been there like once or twice, and it is an amazing city. Like it's been through a lot, um, and the, the people like it's it reminds me an awful lot like Dublin, where it's just people just just get on with it, and uh, when stuff happens that's good, they yeah. kind of jump on it and make sure that everybody's like uh, involved. And like it's great that there's fans from everywhere, and once you're in the top, like that sounds amazing. That's like. Everybody's just Liverpool fan. It's not like you know, like they're all Reds. Yeah, exactly. Like it's not like ah, oh, this this guy from here, there, wherever. It's like yeah, we're all we're all Liverpool fans. That's that's an amazing, an amazing thing. So did you see any like crying uh, Evertonians anywhere or anything like that? Because I see one. Yeah. <laughs> Good segue. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, uh, welcome. <laughs> So, so um, have you, we've been joined by uh, Evertonian uh, David Robinson. Uh, so, you've been to Liverpool, obviously. Um, is there is is there a difference in the city in the way they think of Liverpool compared to Everton? Is are Everton like the uh, the forgotten like red redhead stepchild of Liverpool? Uh, the the Everton fans tend to be a lot more, especially as Liverpool start doing better. The Everton fans get bitter and bitter at the moment. Yeah, we're, we're obviously the, right the poor relatives yeah. right now. Um, and I lived in Liverpool for probably half my life. Um, there's been a couple of seasons of Everton have been above Liverpool, but mostly since the 80s, it's been Liverpool who've been above Everton without winning anything. But that's all about to change. And I was there for the Champions League final. Uh, and the Everton fans tend to evacuate the city centre. <laughs> um, that was actually my leaving do before coming to Canada after the Champions League final night, so I couldn't get away from it. I'd invited people over. We had to sit and watch Liverpool fans <laughs> rampaging through the city as they, as they beat Tottenham. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, obviously, it's doing the city. It's doing the city proud, and, you know, I think you're right. You, you do get people from all over. Obviously, locals mostly Everton fans but you know um, you, you get a lot of tourists into the city and, and the, the, the fact the football teams are doing well just adds to that and the, the buzz is all yeah with Liverpool doing so well at the moment it's it's uh, even more so, so how much does it hurt you when you see like uh, like Steve talking there's a mural of like Mo Salah downtown and there's no mural of like Yari Mina or something like that. <laughs> Does that hurt your feelings? Well, if, you go, if you go back towards the grounds, there's some graffiti. <laughs> I don't think that's quite the same. So. Yeah, I mean, there's, there are a couple of murals. I don't recall too many because... That's with Dixie Dean one somewhere. Yeah, well, there's the statue and there's the hotel and uh, there's the Shanky Hotel and mm. the Dixie Dean Hotel next to each other. And uh, I mean... Generally, it's uh, there's a bit of a re- there's respect between the, the fans and, and things like the murals and the you know we give each other shit of course but, of course that's yeah. just, it's all part of it yeah <laughs> so uh, just uh, switching gears a little bit just back to the, uh, the supporters club um, how's membership going for you guys we're uh, we're doing really well uh, when at the beginning of the season uh, we had initially set fifty uh, as our, as our target and thought that that would be doing well we're at I think one hundred and nineteen right now uh, we thought we would cut it off at Christmas and we decided no as long as people still want to keep joining why not uh, and uh, so uh, yeah they, they, they keep coming uh, and uh, 
the the turnouts uh, to the matches uh, at our host pub have been fantastic. Uh, shout out to Dirty Nellies. Uh, shout out, yeah, definitely to Dirty Nellies. Especially Nellis. tomorrow, it's going to be a huge one tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow, plus people for sure. Yeah, we had uh, we had eighty five for the Tottenham match. Uh, and then I'm leaving the big team. Hey, that's yeah, the, uh, it's a mid table hey, team. Hang on. <laughs> there, were, there was four Tottenham fans there. Right? <laughs> Fuck you guys. That's, that's all of them, isn't it? Pretty much. <laughs> Uh, we actually uh, we had ordered 75 LFC Halifax scars. We had to very quickly order a second batch of 75 scarves. And, wow. and uh, no, it's uh, it, it's been going really well. I, I think we've you know, totally surpassed our expectations. And uh, we'll keep growing. Uh, yeah, we'll keep. Yeah, we'll just keep going. So, so if somebody else wanted to uh, start a supporters club in the in the city, would you guys like give them the the ideas of how to start that off absolutely yeah 100 percent. yeah that's great yeah no i i, I think uh i mean that's that's part of the fun right is yeah, to, is to have those photos and like, so yeah because yeah. i know there's a, a Evertonian out there you probably know it's probably like what another four or five there's about ten of us we're, we're, we're wow. discussing this today because we're trying to get a, an affiliation to the club mm. uh, and you need 15 minimum for an affiliation and again the cheap tickets as you mentioned earlier mm. merchandise and all that so we're in the process Bit, bit behind the, from 119. Yeah, I was I, actually at the last game. I was approached by a Man U supporter. Said, you know, we'd really like to get a Man U supporters club going. You know, how do you think we could do that? And I said, no problem. I'm sure there was a pub in Mount Uniac that would be willing. To <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mount Uniac, but I did I did live there, so I can buy it honestly. But to that point, um, the the. the what you need to create a successful supporters club is a host venue that will support you and help you grow and that's been a huge part of our success so thanks to Eugene and Dirty Nellies because without them we probably wouldn't be here I know and a lot of people say Eugene's the worst person that's ever been born so it's kind of like uh, <laughs> people are saying nice things well it does kind of rot his socks that he is yeah. a venue supporter yeah. so tomorrow's going to be really interesting as well um, so um, I said you were going to uh, like cut stuff off at uh, Christmas time so can people still join and what do they need to do to I know we talked about this before but it's, it's good to refresh people's memories we had discussed cutting it off for Christmas and then after we thought about it it doesn't make any sense to do so but I guess people just need to be aware that you, yes you're absolutely welcome to join and you'll get the benefits of it which is 15% off at Dirty Nellies plus 550 pints of Jurgen Hop um, best beer ever yeah and you'll also get access to our newsletter which is um, done by Jonathan Briggins each week and that's exclusive to our members so and 10% off Garrison products at the Halifax and Dartmouth not Garrison or not what did I propeller. say oh my god propeller come on Steve <laughs> <laughs> that Steve. is a faux pas oh dear I'm <laughs> sorry do this no, so, I'm can we do that again <laughs> no I'm actually going to leave that in so that people will walk off it as a Garrison and just go like Where's my Tony? I can't yeah. believe I said that. Oh, dear, dear, dear. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But just keep in mind, if you do the earlier you sign up in a season, i.e. next season, definitely. hint hint. This is it's only four seasons, so that's we're gonna be renewing every season, so you've got four months left to utilize all of these benefits this year. So definitely sign up, but sign up sooner next year. And how much is it to $25 this year okay. which we may revisit next year to be okay. honest get your uh, get your wallet out now Watson yeah. uh, I, I just got a question as well regarding that because obviously last season you had um, your open top like well not the red bus for the Champions League final are you planning on doing something special for maybe the end of the season should things 
keep going like for the end like the Premier League or I'm gonna stay a little tight lipped on this okay but if we get to the same heights as we did last year I promise you it'll be better than last okay. year I'll leave it at that. It'll be a red airplane flying around. Unfortunately, they could win the league against Everton, as it as the the games go. Yeah, it keeps moving, right? Yeah. So, what events do you guys have coming up? Kind of take it, I think. You know, as it comes, but we'll certainly be planning, you know, special giveaways as we get deep into the season uh, and so on because we've always tapped into the Liverpool retail store uh, and uh, you know looked at uh, what's coming up ahead and uh, and then we'll, we'll do prize giveaways before I raffle we're still fundraising uh, I think all the time uh, we've got some uh, you know supporting causes our, our Christmas party uh, that we had and uh, raised you know 17 $1775 for kids sport in Nova Scotia and, and, and that was perhaps a missed opportunity for us last year. Like I didn't expect to have 270 people at Nelly's plus a lineup outside. So if, if we do get to um, that stage again, we're going to book out the venue, and then we may sell tickets and then donate a, a large portion of that to charity. Because I think that was a missed opportunity for us last year because we didn't know what, how big it was going to be. So now we know. So now we can and build on a, it. I also think it was, it was a good thing that was like a, a derby game too that you did it on, and uh, mm -hmm. yeah, it's amazing that you guys did that. Like that's like congratulations. That's that's, that's incredible. And um, like, they're we're really lucky to have such a big sports club here in the city. And you know, as we said, you know, if other people want to do it, go for it. It's not like you guys are exclusively the only sports club here yes. in in the city. So. I mean, like people are more than welcome to start their own. So and we gladly help them do it. Yeah, there you go. So if you're neutral, come down. We don't we don't discriminate. It's good banter. It's a good time. You know, and I'm gonna so. say that's that's like like as a, a sports supporter, like I'm sure you've seen it too. Like they were like when you when you go to, when you go down for a game, there's no real crazy animosity unless you stand in front of the screen and then people like, <laughs> throw things at you. But uh, but like the majority, like you know, it's it's yeah. it's it's good banter and there's no. Animosity. If you're not a Liverpool supporter, people take it all and destroy it, and it's a it's a really great time. And I mean, like head out to any game that's coming up, like um, it's, it's pretty pretty amazing. So if people want to um, join the uh, join the club, where do they need to go, or like it, what, what, where's the best place for them to find you guys? The easiest way to do it would be to go to our Facebook page, click on the About section, and there is a link to a Google form, which will get all of your information. And then you'll e-transfer the $25 to YNWA, you'll never walk alone, at lfchalifax.com. And really, though, just you can get all these instructions at any of the games we're at. Just come chat to Steve or I, Chris, and uh, or Lorna, our, uh, our coordinator for membership. And, yeah, we'll walk you through it. Jamie won't help anybody out. He's taking all the pictures. If you guys can't make it down to Nelly's that day, um, follow us on social media, um, LSD Halifax. We do um, halftime shows pretty much every game, and those go up live. So if you can't be there, you can come and we'll talk to you on, on the chat. Yeah, uh, I, lo I love it. Like, if we can't make it down, like, I always make sure to uh, check out the uh, the Insta videos at halftime. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun down there. So, yeah, so I just want to thank everybody for coming out and hanging out. And um, 
like you know obviously I'm not talking about my favourite subject but <laughs> I, I, I try to be as passionate as I could just to help you guys out but uh, thank you so much so uh, thanks Dave for coming in halfway through just so you can have a point and <laughs> have an excuse to get out of the house thank there, you Andy yeah, is there anything else that anybody wants to oh sorry is there anything else that anybody wants to talk about <laughs> I'll end my lot of fun. Uh, it was also nice to have a few beers on the Saturday and talk football. So uh, thanks a lot. Thanks Thank for you. having us. Thank you. Y'all check it. Call Lil C's. Tell that motherfucker to bring me some no, motherfucking weed from no, the hospital. No, fuck that. Tell that before to go pick up ten thousand from Dez. Go take about like twenty G's from Gino. Get this nigga next door up out of here. That nigga be showing all night. I can't sleep. And all that big butt nurse with the long hair that comes suck my dick. Yeah, boy, oh. The doctor said I need about three weeks of recovery. But the nurses is loving me, saying the best part of the day is my half. Feeding me breakfast and giving me a sponge bath. Nigga say I died dead in the streets. Nigga, I'm... This week I'm joined by Kenneth Flood. Kenneth was kind enough to talk to us last week about the uh, McGregor fight. Um... But I didn't really respect his opinions that much, so I thought I'd bring in somebody who knows a little bit more about what they're talking about. So I gave <laughs> I gave Jimmy, I gave Jimmy Lee Best a, a quick call there, and he said he'll come and help out. So thanks, lads, for joining us. No You're problem. Welcome. Okay, so um, I guess the the first the first question is uh, how did McGregor do on uh, on uh, on Saturday night? Well, to be honest, I thought it was a great win for him. Like, uh, it, there was a lot of buildup that I didn't really care for to the fight with, like, Cerrone be treated like a gatekeeper and everything. But at the end of the day, he did what he went in there to do. Yeah. Um, what can you say? And you're not entertained. That's what people change yeah. for. But it's, <laughs> it wasn't about the UFC. It wasn't about rankings. It was to be entertained. And that's what he did on the night. Um, there was... One new thing, maybe the shoulder strikes we hadn't seen from McGregor before, but it hasn't really told us anything about has he improved his game, what's happening with his gas tank, and what, what's he going to do when someone puts it on him? All those questions still have to be answered afterwards. My thoughts, exactly. I think just because it was such a quick fight, you're right, <clears throat> there wasn't very much to actually take away from I suppose, but he, he got the job done, which is the main thing, I guess, right? McDonald's has a history of... When he's hit, he doesn't react too well. When he's hit clean, like what Masvidal did to him, what Till did to him, what Rafael de Sanchez did to him, when they put it on him, he, he, he turtled and he went away. Now, what I saw at the start of that fight from the very first exchange was a gun-shy Donald, a gun-shy Cerrone. And that's because of what Gatcha did to him. That's what, because of what Tony Ferguson did to him before that. Um, like if any decent level fighter sees somebody coming at them at that speed, overextending a punch and going off balance. He should have just whipped him up and pinned him to his back and it would have been the end of it. If it had been Khabib, McGregor was on his back and that's where he was going to be for the next five minutes. But what we have is a Donald Cerrone that's taken too much damage over the last couple of years. And when he, McGregor threw that punch, instead of looking at him and doing a proper level change to do the takedown as he's done in the past, like there's video after video of him doing that level change and taking people down when he overextended the punches. He turned his head away, didn't go for the takedown properly, and he took a tie then into the face, and then they were in the clinch where he took the shoulders. And from that point, there was like 10 seconds into that, this is over. Like, just on Kenneth's point there, like, it seems that McGregor was saying afterwards that, like, Cerrone's fought, like, what, 11 times, 12 times in the last year? Like, oh. 
And that's the way he's always been too. He's a, the problem is you start to wear all those wars after all this time. Like it's, it's not something you can keep up, especially at the level where he's been fighting at. I mean, how, how does, is he just constantly in camp? Like, is he just like, it just seems impossible to be able to have a fight literally like once a month. That's insane. Well, he, he wasn't fighting that regularly. That's a little bit of an over-exaggeration. Um, but he was fighting very regularly. And he's taking a lot of damage in those fights. He really should give himself more time. He left his uh, usual gym in Albuquerque and set up his own one up on, on the ranch. And he brought some good fighters up there. So he doesn't really have the coaches he had previously. He's probably not getting the best advice. Like, he will fight anybody anytime. He's always said it. He's always done it. But he's probably not doing what he should be doing at this stage of his career. Like, he's got a money fight in the bag now. He can pick somebody easier to fight next time. He deserves it. Kind of like when Michael Bisping won the middleweight title. He just went, I just want the easiest fights that make me a hell of a lot of money. I think Cerrone's reached that level in his career where he can just pick somebody mid-level, get a bit of attention, make a bit of money, and, and just shoot off back to the ranch. Well, for McGregor, that's where the questions were. It was all about him all week. It wasn't really about Cerrone. It was about McGregor. What happens for him next? There were all the names that are thrown out there. He's going to fight next. Um, I'm not too sure who it's going to be, but what his coach is saying, what he's saying, I don't think, or what the UFC is going to be saying. That's why in the previous time I was speaking to you, I didn't really mention the welterweights because I don't see him doing that with the top five welterweights. And he's not going to challenge, challenge Kamara Usman because Usman will just ragdoll him and eat him, destroy him, like he did to Covey Covington. Um, so I think his future lies at lightweight, but against Seals, another thing. What do you think about that, Jimmy? Uh, he's exactly right. Really, every, if you look at anyone in the top five in the welterweight division, there's nobody I realistically see Connor giving a really go, a good go for it. And Usman's on a different level, like, and he's so much bigger than Connor. Like, Connor packed on a lot of muscle, but like I said at the first, we don't know if that's muscle that's going to last into the championship rounds. Like his cardio has always been an issue. And when people pack on weight like that, it's usually a detriment. It's not something that goes hand in hand. So I, I don't see a good future for McGregor at 170, but I'm not ruling out that that's where he's going to go. But at 155, you look at the top guys at there too. It, it's no, there's no green pastures for him. He's going to have a hard time no matter where he ends up. I think he's uh, I think he's backed himself into a bit of a corner too because he can't just take like a, a nothing fight the next minute as well. Like I mean, like because he's all mouths and it, all those boasts about he can take anybody. Like he's kind of he can't just take an, an easy fight next time. He's gonna have to like step up and like go for somebody. Like do, do, do you think it'll be like Khabib again? Like that seems to be the one everybody seems to think it's gonna be. Um, because look, if if you look at the top five. Uh, lightweights Khabib against him now will probably beat him but Khabib got to get past Tony Ferguson and I love Tony Ferguson as a fighter Khabib follows a template Tony Ferguson is just a crazy man he likes to take it a punch so he needs to three times more back and I think I think Tony Ferguson is going to beat Khabib just because he doesn't follow a template he doesn't follow a plan he just does mad crap all the time and he can do it anywhere I think he's going to beat him I don't think Connor can beat him yeah no one's really going to be interested in seeing uh, against Poirier again. That's the way Poirier got ragdolled by Khabib in Abu Dhabi. 
And Justin Getcha is just too dangerous for him right now. If he's going to fight a lightweight, somebody that they can make a narrative out of. People are saying, yeah, Diaz back down again. Yeah, he's not going to fight Hooker. He's not going to fight Felder because they're they're fighting um, in the next few weeks. A possibility is the number nine lightweight Ali Akita. He was on the bus when McGregor attacked it. They've had verbal since. He did better than anybody's done against Khabib in the last few fights. And that's something they could build a narrative around, a rivalry around someone that's done well against Khabib and someone that has that uh, kind of made-up vendetta for being on the bus when McGregor attacked it. Do you agree with that, Jim? I never, I, I be honest, I never put Al in there at all. Like, it's not uh, something that, cross my mind but i agree with the points he's making but the where i see it going if it's the 155 i see a dustin poirier rematch just for the fact that they want to push connor like they want to get him up there i mean dustin lasted against khabib but there's not too much you can do against khabib at 155 right now so i think that's probably the fight to make but at that i really in my honest opinion, think that he's just going to get a title shot. He's been spoon fed some things in the past. And I don't think that's going to change with this because he did get people talking with a 42nd knockout. It, it's just the way the Conor McGregor era seems to be. <laughs> yeah. Big time. man. like, I mean, like you just look at the interest that's been around this fight again, and it was pretty much a nothing fight really. It, it, he's just a, he's a money man in in the UFC, unfortunately. Like, and the, I I guess it, if they want to keep people interested, they kind of have to push him forward like this, right? Like whether he deserves it or not. Yeah, yeah. Like the the, the media over here, everywhere. Like the clickbait articles. Like it's gone beyond Game of Thrones levels for fucking articles every two minutes about nothing. Like somebody tweeted something. Like uh, Usman's Twitter account was hacked. Oh no, it wasn't. It was Abi Abdulaziz. Um. And they're filling like 400, 500 word articles out with these tiny, tiny little snippets. Like the one I opened today and I just stopped and it's like the game-changing advice he got from uh, John Kavanagh mid-fight. And Kavanagh's like, pick your shots. And he had a full 500-word <laughs> article out with that. I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. But like, they're, people, they're, are reading it. people are reading this. Yeah, people like you. You're the fucking reason. You just said it I yourself. Stopped. I stopped. <laughs> I stopped. These I thick stopped articles. I opened one myself today. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like so, I said, it's like Game of Thrones <laughs> levels of clickbait. <laughs> and every time I saw the Game of Thrones, I was opening it. And the same with McGregor. I must, I must say though, like um, it, it, McGregor himself, though, like we talked about it, like his uh, the, his attitude and how he's handled himself before the fight. I think he did a great job again after the fight. Um, I, I tell you, he was very respectful and uh, he was kind of joking around a little bit about um, uh, Cerrone's grandmother and stuff like that. So, do you think that this is just him? trying to change it or do you think he'll just be back to himself within a month Jimmy <laughs> I, I really think he he realizes if you're going to stay what you're doing if you want to build that legacy if you want to keep your brand going you, you can't be punching guys and buyers you can't be like going out cheating on your wife you can't be doing all this stuff and you can't be an asshole like where really when I 
I've always wanted to be a Conor McGregor fan, but when it really lost for me is the buildup for the Khabib fight. Like, it just got so over the top to, like, cartoon levels that I, I hope that he has made the change, but uh, who knows? In the like, grand scheme of things, he could just be putting on airs, but we'll find out the next time he gets drunk in a bar. <laughs> Watch out, Ken. You were back there with him, so... Yeah. Now look, the way, the way I think what's going to happen with McGregor is they're going to look at the boys. They're just title fights every month for the next few months. You got Johnny Bones against Dominic Reeves, the undefeated fire, who will be beaten by John Jones. You've got Valentina uh, Shevchenko against uh, Katie Cahugan. I can't even pronounce her second name right. I don't even know if I'm saying it correctly. You've got a um, the, the, the flyweight belt is being vacated by Triple C. So you've got uh, Joseph ben- Benvenides against some victim because there's no one really in, in the flyweights that's anywhere uh, on his level. And then you got, uh, you, you, you've got Khabib against Tony Ferguson. I'm missing a fight in there somewhere as well. Somebody else is fighting for a title. Yes, Weili Zhang and uh, Yuan and Jedchek as well. So you're going to look at all those cards and see what the boy rate is. Then you're going to see, do we need to feed Connor somebody with a name they make a crap load of money because these actual viable real fights aren't selling for us. If John Jones set F fight sell, if Tony Ferguson and Khabib fight sell, and the, the other the other title fights that are coming up in the next three months sell, they might give them someone a little bit harder. If they don't sell, Dana White was was talking about the the numbers that that fight against Cowboy was doing. He said it was off the chart for an untitled fight. They come near. The like Nate Diaz level of boys, I reckon they'll give him a, an easier opponent next time. It's it's just insane that like, you know you're talking about like like people who are like the best in the, their divisions here, and you're talking about them scrambling to get like people buying the, the pay per views. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah well, that's why Demetrius Johnson's in Singapore. <laughs> yeah, that's my my next point exactly. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant fighter for for the best part of a decade. You know, he just goes with screw this. I'm going to go to Singapore and make a crap load of money for lower level fighters. Okay, they're full of steroids, but lower level fighters. <laughs> <laughs> like that's that's yeah, like that's not a good thing for the UFC. Like, I mean, like what? Apart from McGregor, like I mean, like why aren't people buying their fights? Like, I'm sure they're going to be awesome to watch, right? Okay, so I think it's about rivalry, and the, you always have these great rivalries all the way through the divisions. In the past, you don't really have that. Like you had Colby Covington reinvent himself as some gobshite Trump aficionado um, and okay he was a good fighter but he, he made his name by crap talking kind of Chael Sonnell-esque he reinvented himself he got himself all the way to a title fight till he got smashed by Usman he got Triple C uh, Henry Cejudo as he called himself another really really nice guy he invented himself as an absolute asshole um, to try and sell points um, is this fucking he just doesn't get the it is like it really sounds like it's WWE the way you're going on there like you know it's like like who was it do you remember the Russian guy that was in uh, the WWE uh, WWE, and then the Iron Corton came down and became the nice guy like Nikolai Volkov or something it sounds like this (laughs) yeah (laughs) sounds like a fucking nonsense like why did why did I need to have all this weird drama and just not be able to just go and sell a fucking fight not the point the finger of blame but uh i think that all started with your guys's guy <laughs> the mcgregor effect is a big thing 
it, like I remember watching Pancrase back in the day and it, it there was no big elaborate guys like we had Baz Rudin and that was about it like it it's he changed it he made it more entertaining and he brought more people in like it's not just the guys that have been watching it for 20 years anymore it's these people that only pop in to watch the McGregor fights and I'm not against it yeah, agree. Well, like if you this, look at the championship the champion of every division every division right so you got Stipe a heavyweight can be beaten okay he lost to DC the fight before last John Jones is beatable if he goes on the coke and hookers again I, I don't think he's going to behave himself too much but he's not going to be popular Israel Adesanya at middleweight it's been a modern day um, Chris Eubank uh, senior um, he's so hittable when I'm watching him fight I'm screaming like uh, Gastelum and uh, uh, Whitaker you know just hit him he's pretty in front of you hit him like he's trying to be this like articulate poetic type guy but he's just a moron um, and he's, he's not selling points. Sounds like he's you not selling points. Um, and Usman, Usman can sell fight. I think Usman can sell fights based on his skin level. I think he's about the and Khabib because of McGregor. They're about the only two that are really going to sell fights. The new uh, featherweight champ, Volosky, the Australian guy. He, they, the UFC just wants him off the clock. Just go away. Give us an American or a European backers champion again because no one's going to go into his fights. And and uh, a flyweight. We're going to win, when Benavidez will, will win that um, that belt now next sorry March you know we, can he reignite interest in the flyweight division I don't really know the good fights the really good fights of evenly matched fighters are in the women's division like you got Rose Namajunas fighting Jessica Andrade again who I think she'll win you got uh, Yuani and Jedchek against Wei Zhang like they're really good fights at really good uh, at equal skill levels that people should tune in to watch um, and Amanda mm-hmm. Nunes you know, she's uh, she's just super, super at Bantamweight, super at Featherweight. So people should really t- tune in to watch her. But she kind of needs a nemesis, and she's beaten anybody that anywhere good. So they need to bring in somebody maybe from one in, in Asia um, to, to face her, and that'll generate some interest there too. Oh, I was, I was going to say about the one championship, the, they're female fighters. They have a stable. Like there's uh, this one girl, Stamp Fairtax, and she was, uh, she's, full Muay Thai but what she's been getting on the ground is amazing too and just to see some of those girls come over that have been doing martial arts their whole lives not just since they were teenagers like they start that young it would be good to see some of the even cross promotion fights as much as the UFC avoids that like the plague like we need to bring back some of that actual sport into the sport i think and the women's division is like kenneth was saying it's it's a breeding ground for that it's brand new fighters people that that no one knows like it's it's a fresh thing and it's away from the male fighters where it's all about who can cause the most noise really look at the women's division like a few years ago it didn't even exist dana white said there wasn't going to be ever a women's division and now you look at the way that they're pushing certain female athletes i mean they're pushing them for horrible reasons like if you see all the photo shoots that they have joanna jedrzejic i'll say that name horrible ever for the rest of my life but if they like they're making them up and they're putting rouge on them and stuff but at the end of the day that's their way of trying to push them like they're trying to get them out there but it's just unfortunately the there's no one really buying into it like there was when ronda rosie was around because there isn't that big personality like what a uh what an awful way to an old-fashioned way to try and sell 
sports, like you know, just just tarting them up and sending them out there for men to ogle kind of thing. It just it just smacks of desperation to me. Oh, I think- it's, it's awful. Like you, you look at Paige Van Zant; they didn't want to her to shave her hair for a friend that had cancer because she was prettier with long hair. It's just the most chauvinistic bullshit in the world, but that's the way it is. Jesus Christ. Yeah, because Rose Namajunas, when she came into the, I think it was Tough 22, um, and I was running Rousey and Misha Tate, which was an actual rivalry of, of two good fighters. She had the long blonde hair. She had the history of Pat Barry. Um, so people knew her before she went into the house, as well as for our fighting, as, as for a relationship with Pat Barry. And she could actually fight. But they wanted her to do photo shoots. They wanted her to do vlogs. They wanted her to talk about her appearance and what she's done. Now. She made it to the final against them. Um, God, what is her name? I can't remember. Anyway, she lost the final of the tough finale and just went out, disappeared for two years, came back with a shaved head, came back with a new attitude, reinvented herself, just focusing on the fighting and absolutely annihilated everybody in front of her. Okay, Kowalkiewicz had a good win against her, but um, she destroyed uh, Ioanni and Jedcek with a knockout, destroyed her in the second fight with pure skill and, and clinical boxing uh, as well. She would have won the fight against Jessica Andrade only she held onto her arm just that second too long and when you're looking at it she's going for a, for a submission as the slam comes like let go let go let go she hits the deck now she has a chance to redeem it like she is someone that has rejected that frivolous as you said old fashioned way to promote women's fighting and just done it as a, as a pure female fighter and there should be more like them so, so I guess like the, the question would be then like if McGregor goes to his next fight and loses and I mean it, it seems to me it's going to be every fight from now at this day is, uh, it's going to be the end of him uh, just because of like his his history that he's had in the last like year or so is there anybody else coming through that can come and take what he's created at the UFC and like you know be that kind of the, the guy that they all turn to to uh, bring the money in like is there anybody coming through that's got, that can match that not that I can think of not that you see in, in any promotion like Bellator is a freak show so I wouldn't think of anybody crossed down from Bellator like did in the past like Eddie Alvarez so on there's a whole lot of fighters I can't think of anybody yeah. from Bellator that would yeah, be no you got like the Pitbull brothers and Chandler yeah. and that's about it Jeez, yeah. That's, yeah. I mean if I was Dana White I'd be like like fucking shitting myself at this day so he's hoping that McGregor kind of has turn the corner like I mean like you're right there Jimmy when you're saying I mean like he the Floyd Mayweather stuff like I think overcrossed the line of like him being like funny and he was just being nasty and a huge asshole and then mm. the Khabib stuff like so much of that was like personal and ignorant about his religion and stuff like that that it came across as a mean a complete another asshole. So I, I think they probably said to him that when he comes back, he kind of needs to tone it down a little bit. But I think they're they're probably worried that he's toned it down a little bit too much <laughs> because like he, he he like you know it's not very often you see McGregor after a fight like with the adrenaline still pumping through his veins, like just being so laid back and um, chill and not like kind of ripping into somebody that he's just beaten. You know, it's uh it's uh, I'd be if I say in a way, I'd be really worried. Yeah, it's hard to uh, keep up the way that he goes because it's funny. You look at it back in the day, he was saying a lot of these same things. He didn't have as much attention on him, but he was still doing a lot of the same things. But when it's coming from a multimillionaire's mouth, it just takes the sting out of it. You, you don't, 
if he says he's hungry, you're like, yeah, really, how hungry are you? When he says that he's going to, like, kick this guy's ass, and you know it's just it's just all talk now. It's, it's harder to believe when you know that the reason he's doing it is to keep this up before it was natural. And that's the whole thing. I think this reinvented himself. Like you said, it, it may be good for him, but in the end, it's not going to be good for ticket sales. And that's, I guess that's what it's all about, really, right? Now, look, the UFC, it was, it's the premier MMA organization in the world. You've, you've got a dozen of them. Like The shows here that are on are Obama, Bellator crossovers, and they're basically, they give the hometown fighters here in Dublin, they give them pretty much a walkover, you know, until, until the main card. Only the hardcore fans were interested to watch it, and even they were saying, I'm just not going to go to one of them again. I'm not going to watch that again. Because it, it, it only lasts for a little while. If they feed McGregor these easy fights, people will switch off. What made him like a star was calling out Aldo from the very, very start and then calling out uh, the lightweight champ, Dasanios, and then Alvarez um, and getting the fights and winning it. He has to do that to be a viable fighter, to be something that we're like, actually going to care about watching. He may get another one fight or two fight where people are going to show him and say, hey, what's Tyler McGregor's going to show up? But then he's going to have to fight somebody real. I'd say he'll have two fights against not so hard opposition before he goes back against somebody that's going to give him a challenge again. Most likely Khabib or if Tony Ferguson beats him, then Tony Ferguson. But long term, they can babysit him for so long, but they're really going to have to give him uh, the challenge in the end if he sticks around for He He was talking, McGregor, just uh, after, like he's going to take a week or two off to kind of celebrate the victory and then get back into the, the gym. So when do you think we're going to see him back fighting again i say is another three months he's he's coming off a 40 second knockout he didn't take any damage maybe some shoulder meat muscle but that's about it i'd say he's going to do a three-month camp right away and he's going to be fighting somebody very soon yeah i'll agree um the ferguson um khabib fight is in april the ufc cards are pretty much announced up to that point i think just one beforehand doesn't have a headliner yet pretty much think he's going to be in shape for when Khabib and Ferguson fight and he'll fight somebody in the top 10 lightweights or maybe even Nate again, you know, you know, that'll generate a little bit of interest and just he'll get five rounds out of it because uh, Nate won't go away if the doctor won't let him. In Crow Park, like you said, mm-hmm. um, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love your optimism. <laughs> no, no. You know what the red is like around Crow Park, Anto. Yeah. Five concerts a year, that's it. And then the GAA and the Hurling. Uh, you know, Garth Brooks tried to do five shows and there was nearly a revolt. So we just didn't come to the country. Yeah. Which, which, which I, actually, I actually appreciate them for doing that. <laughs> so did I, yeah. I, I, was, I was joining that protest, actually. Was like, get that fucking yeah. hillbilly asshole out of here. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so, so I, I guess it's... I guess it's good to say that, like, you know, he's back. The UFC's back a little bit. So um, it's definitely going to be interesting to see where this comes and uh, who, who's up next for him on his agenda. I didn't really appreciate his uh, tweet to Trump today about how awesome Trump is and Trump congratulating him on his UFC win. So that was. Told you, man. Teenage girls and lazy journalists pay attention to Twitter. No one else paid attention to Twitter. <laughs> Well, I'm I'm not a teenage girl. Whenever I see, <laughs> I'm not a teenage girl. And I'm not a journalist, kind of. So I don't know where lazy journalist. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so I really appreciate you taking time out. Uh, I know, Kenneth, it's like a little bit late there for you, and um, 
I really appreciate you taking the time out to this now. And Jimmy, it's good to have you on, man. Hopefully, we'll have you on again the next time yeah. a big fight comes up. Kenneth will probably appreciate having somebody who knows a little bit more about the sport rather than me just going, McGregor's great. So, uh, <laughs> so really you appreciate it. Uh, Anto, and, uh, yeah. hang on, let's see what happens with John Jones in a couple of weeks. See what happens with the boy rate on that. And then you can probably figure out what's going to happen with McGregor next. <laughs> so um, I, I really appreciate you taking time out during the week just to have sh- the, the shits and chats. Um, the, the episode- well, kill. Talk to you later, man. We'll do. Thanks, lads. Appreciate it. <laughs> Talk to you later. Thank you. In your smile Bring me laughter All the while In this world where we live There should be more happiness So much joy you can give To each brand new bright tomorrow Make me happy Through the years Never bring me you've been listening to the down the pub podcast i really want to thank all my guests for joining me this week it really was a lot of fun we had a great time at the economy shoe shop last saturday recording the segment for the liverpool supporters club the happy hour there runs between four and seven and all points are four dollars so that certainly helped get us into the mood for talking I just want to say congratulations to Tara Hughes, who won our Down the Pub podcast mug competition. Tara, I'll make sure that gets sent out to you this week. I really want to thank everybody who listens. It really does mean a lot. It keeps me going to do this every week, that people are out there paying attention to what I and my guests have to say. As always, you can head to the downthepub.ca website and subscribe so you never miss an episode. And until next time, cheers. Cheers.